Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallett. I'm Matt Sturdivant. Together we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. Tyler is taking the night off because he missed our main movie, Cocaine Bear, the animal rampage comedy question mark movie from Elizabeth Banks. We'll get to that a little bit later. First, we're going to do a weekly watch list. So, Matt, why don't you tell us something you've been watching this week? Um, so, one of the things I watched this week was a movie called Piggy. It's a Spanish sort of horror thriller film about a an overweight girl who is bullied by some peers at the poolside while on vacation. And according to the synopsis, her walk home will change her life forever. And okay. The poster features the protagonist walking down a dirt road in a swimsuit just like covered in blood. I have seen that. So the 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 implication is that like someone snaps and like people get killed or whatever just going by the poster. I'm not going to say what happens, but I'm going to say it's not quite what you think and it doesn't play out how you think. Oh, I like that. Uh like it like I was kind of surprised the way that it actually took it because it wasn't quite what it looked like on the poster. Um, I would say, at least here in the U.S., the probably the more accessible way to check it out is on Hulu. I'm sure it's on VOD and other platforms as well. But the more uh, the version I watched was on Hulu. But the problem, the movie itself, the premise. And the execution was pretty solid of the movie itself. Mm-hmm. My biggest gripe was not that of the movie or the filmmaker. It's of the the dubbing on the English version that I watched on Hulu, which is the only version on Hulu. So if you can spare the money to catch it on VOD or elsewhere where you can just get the subtitled version, I would recommend that. Because this dubbing was just atrocious. It was really bad. It was like picture... The worst dubbed Godzilla kaiju film that you you can think of, but <laughs> with dubbing that sounds like TikTok voiceovers. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, you sent us a clip and it was really bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's distracting. Like that's how bad it is. It's just it distracts you from the rest of the movie, which again is pretty solid, all things considered. Yeah, I'm really not a dubbing fan. Whenever possible, I want the original language because, like, you you lose a lot of the performance from the actors when you don't hear their voice. Also, I just I don't really mind subtitles, but I I just hate it when services do not have the option of the original language. That always really I know I know it's very difficult with international distributions and stuff, but it just bugs me. It always bugs me. But from that, I will segue into a foreign film that did have subtitles that I really enjoyed, and that was EO. Nice. One of the international feature Oscar nominations for this upcoming ceremony. Yeah, it's a couple Polish of weeks. film. A Polish film that follows the misadventures of a former circus donkey named EO while he tries to embark on a quest for freedom. I It took me a little to get into it, to really get the kind of beat on what the movie was trying to say and do. But once it clicked, it clicked, and it was just a very intriguing film to watch. And, it, and it's one that made me think, even after the credits started rolling, 
Um, I will say it has a very clear, very poignant message in a pretty unique way of delivering it. Like, a lot of the human characters are pretty tangential, all things considered. Like, they... they it's... It kind of me... It, without really getting into too much subtext, it might seem like it meanders, but it's... In hindsight, after thinking about it, I can see that it's all pretty pers- purposeful. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, it's a... It's a slow burn, but it's a thinker, and I... I can see why it's nominated for uh, Best International Feature because it is very fantastic. Um, like I said, very strong message. Uh, the animal actors were all very solid. Like there were six different donkeys that was filmed, but you couldn't even I couldn't even tell the difference scene to scene. I had to watch like a little featurette that where they broke down. It was like these scenes had. Uh, think one of them was named like taco and the i forgot the others the other five of them but it it was pretty interesting and overall just very well made uh, and a very important message to say should that be a new oscar category best animal performance 100 percent. so that's not going to happen at the academy awards we could make it happen at the Silver Screensaver Awards. So we'll make that happen for next year. Just as long as none of the donkey actors get up and kick someone. Well, listen, if somebody's talking about the donkey's wife, what do you, <laughs> what do you expect them to do? All right, do you have anything else? No, those are the two big ones. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list one that I, I know you also have some thoughts on. This is Falling Down. This hmm. is the... I think the third straight episode in which I talk about Michael Douglas, this is about a Los Angeles man who becomes, you know, he's an average Joe and he becomes fed up with being in traffic. So he decides to go home for his daughter's birthday. But as he treks there, he goes on a violent rampage throughout Los Angeles. This is from Joel Schumacher, who we lost just a couple of years ago. Really great filmmaker. Did such a, a diverse oeuvre of work. St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, a couple of Batman movies, The Phantom of the Opera. This is written by Ebby Rose Smith. And this is in the classic Michael Douglas run. This is in 1993, you know, that 80s, 90s run where he's really just on top of the world. This is a different role for him, though. I like this movie a lot. On one side of it, you have Douglas as a middle-aged white weekday warrior who exercises his various prejudices and rages in various spots of L.A. And on the other side, you have Robert Duvall as a cop who deals with theft. He is trying to make it through his last day of duty without incident, but he gets sucked into the Michael Douglas case. The movie, like, I was surprised by this. The movie really tortures you with the idea that he could get killed on his last day of duty. Like, it's brought up (laughs) so many times of, like, wouldn't it be terrible if you got shot in the head on your last day? Like, it's brought up (laughs) so many times. I really like the story of him and his wife, and I I think the script of this is, is very good. It's actually quite a sad movie. You know, watching it recently, I actually thought... So I thought about Pearl the Ty West prequel to X. And I thought about it because this movie, like Pearl, is about someone who has an ideal version of life, right? Pearl very much wants to be this star in these musicals, dance and sing. Michael Douglas's character here, his includes very like 
classic American family stuff, right, where he has a loving wife and a kid, and, you know, he gets his daughter a pony, but there's just something wrong inside of him. There's just something a little bit off with his wiring and the way he reacts to the world, which is incredibly destructive when it combines with his anger, with his racism, his inability to cope with the fact that the world is not as he would like it to be. I had to watch this on VOD. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. I think it's well worth the three or four bucks or whatever. Um, so if you ever see this scrolling through a streaming service, definitely give it a try. It's a very thought-provoking movie and uh, very rich in, in character. What do you think of it? Oh, I totally agree, and I honestly, I'm glad you brought it up, because I can't believe I forgot to mention it just now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we both watched it recently. Yeah, um, what what strikes me about that movie, because this is the, I just watched it for the first time recently myself, it, a lot of the societal commentary that it touches on with his character is still pretty relevant today. Yeah, I'd agree. To a degree, you know. With you know inflation and uh, the fact that he devoted his life to to building these weapons that were used under the guise of like defending the country, and then just kind of being tossed to the side when they decide they don't need him anymore. Right. He's like doing like he said. He's like you did. I did everything they told me to, and then like how how did I end up being the bad guy? Like right, he does, yeah. it's it's funny. It, it's it's just such an intriguing look at someone who's really he thinks he's an anti-hero, or they, but he's more he's basically the villain of the story. But yes, yes, um, it you know, it always gets just shy of a point where we can act, we can almost relate to him. Right, right, right. But then he goes and does something either, you know, racist or threatening or violent. It's like, oh yeah, this this guy's a bad guy. We can't fully relate. And I I just think it was it's just a very intriguing character to follow. And like you said, it's very well written, well acted. Um I was I was shocked at how much I like this movie and how much I've thought about it since seeing it. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I'd really like to have a a full discussion, maybe on a Douglas episode one day. Um, And I think you really hit the nail on the head. That was, that was good thoughts on that. This movie is flawed for sure. It's not a perfect movie. There are some questionable things about it, but definitely a worse version of this movie kind of completely paints him as the sympathetic figure. But like you realize pretty quickly that, there's something incredibly wrong with this guy. You know, the first kind of crazy thing that he does is a racist act of violence in a convenience store. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this really, like, very heartbreaking scene. I won't give too much away, but where he's watching some home videos with his wife and daughter, and you just you realize that there's something inside this guy that just, like, that just isn't right, and he wouldn't like it to be there, but it is there. And it's affected his whole life. So I like falling down a lot. Uh, the only other one I'll talk to you about is this very small movie. But I want to mention it because it's from a filmmaker that I really like. The movie is called The Integrity of Joseph Chambers. It is about an insurance salesman who ventures into the wilderness in the hopes of shooting a deer so he can prove that he'll provide for his family if the world goes south. 
think something that's been on a lot of people's minds in the last few years, even though his wife does not want him to, is written and directed by Robert Machoyan, who is a really awesome director. He did this movie, The Killing of Two Lovers, from a couple of years ago, which was one of my favorite movies that year. And this one, The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, I like this movie a lot. It's quite a smart and fascinating character study about this guy who is the least traditionally masculine man in his town and so he feels the need to prove himself even though he's completely inept at what he's trying to do and lives very much in his imagination he's like almost a little bit childish but he runs into this moral dilemma in the middle of the movie that i found very exciting like my mouth fell open uh, during this one scene Clayne Crawford is the star. He was also the star of The Killing of Two Lovers. And maybe you guys remember him from the Damon Wayans Lethal Weapon Fox show, I think it was. Can't he say was... I do. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I ever watched that show, honestly. But you remember it existing, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> maybe not, maybe uh, not. But he, yeah, he was in that. Uh, he's in this too. I think he's great in this. He was great in The Killing of Two Lovers. I knew who this character was right away. Jordana Brewster is also very good as his wife, who's like trying to gently convince him that this is all a bad idea. He doesn't he doesn't need to prove himself in this way. This is on VOD. The movie is very small. Even as I'm talking to you about this on the show now, I don't think I'll ever meet another person who's watched it. I mean, I would like to, but I don't think that I will. If you do, if you are interested, be a little patient. And I know that's a big ask. Your time is very valuable. But if you go into this, be a little patient. There are some stretches where he's just walking in the woods, right? And it seems a little boring. You'll be tempted to tap out. It's part of the point because he thinks that deer hunting is going to be like a big macho activity. And then you realize that it's it's just being in the woods for hours. But if you stick around, the drama in it is really rewarding or it's not and you can yell at me but i i really like the movie so how how does the patience requirement for that movie compare to the patience requirement because skinnamarink because okay. if uh if it's anything like skinnamarink then i i'm i don't know if i'd have the patience for that i was less bored during integrity of joseph chambers than i was during skinnamarink okay. and i liked skinnamarink I, the things that it was able to do. I yeah, I I I feel bad not finishing movies a lot of the time even even if like they're not that good, I at least try to see them out to the end. Yeah. I I could not uh, I got maybe 20 minutes into Skinnamarink and I'm like all right, 20 minutes. I'm going to give it like 10 more and I maybe made it 5 more before I'm like I can't do this. Was the room that you were in completely dark? Yeah. It mm. was. I, I realized, well, I shut the lights off because I thought that was my problem. And oh. <laughs> yeah, the, like... there are a couple of parts that get freaky. I, listen, I'm <laughs> your reaction, I mean, all reactions are valid, but I completely understand your reaction. I was bored myself during parts of it. I just like, it's one of those that like, man, you had gold here. The gold is, is surrounded by some rough rocks, but there is gold here, if you know what I mean. And I mean... It was at that twenty-five minute mark too. I'm like, you know what, I I gotta, I I never do this, but I gotta look at the Wikipedia synopsis and see if I can, if if I should stick it out, if, oh. if the plot like, if the plot's worth it enough to keep sticking it out, and I didn't 
I didn't think it was. I would say not I a wasn't, plot movie. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't more interested of, enough in what it said. I'm like, oh, I gotta see that. It's really more of an atmosphere, if anything. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's very briefly, I just want to say the unrated cut of Megan came out on Peacock, and I didn't watch the whole thing over, but I watched kind of the, the scenes I expected where they added the gore. And listen, from what I saw, and again, I didn't watch the whole thing through again, they made the right decision making the theatrical PG-13 because they added some more F-bombs in there. There was like, uh, for each kill scene, there was like a little bit more gore, but it was like a couple of seconds more gore. So if you can knock it down to PG-13 and have virtually the same movie, I, I think that's the best decision you know, whether artistically or whatever, but commercially and frankly, the art, the art did not suffer. At least I don't think so. Yeah. And I, I agree with that point because at that point you're making it more accessible for folks. If, as long as you know, you make, you know, you can make it more accessible without compromising the art. I, I see that as a good thing. Yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of people say that this is like a good gateway for young horror fans and i agree so if you can have something that's a little you know like you said a little more accessible a little more kind of like weaning you into something then why not and again it it does not suffer by the lost footage believe me whenever i think of a movie that you know the whole r versus pg-13 thing for some reason i always come back to thinking about birds of prey and how that was an oh, R-rated really? movie that should have been a PG-13 movie. And it probably wouldn't have bombed as much as it did. I absolutely agree. Because also, its target demographic is probably in the PG-13 range more than R. And they could have cut some stuff down there to make it PG-13. I was going to say, you're absolutely right. I remember a couple of scenes in that movie where like the violence... And again, I watch violent movies all the time, but the violence was like shocking in that movie. And like, this is just kind of off-putting. It's not exciting. Also, that movie's just not very good. Well, yeah, but I just think about like they had, <laughs> they could have done this, done that one thing to make it more of a hit, like without changing too much. No, you're and absolutely just right. But that's the pre-gun. DCEU so the hierarchy is now changed as of Black yeah. Adam so that's that's true yeah the hierarchy <laughs> so, has changed yeah it's funny that you say that I'm glad you focus on the rating of that movie I always focus on how just mid theatrical release they just changed the title because it was like so long and nobody yeah. knew what it was I just I just repressed that from my memory because realistically that wasn't even a Birds of Prey movie. It was a Harley Quinn movie with, that features the Birds of Prey. Yeah. So it's just I, I'm not gonna get into that. We'll, we'll move on. That's, <laughs> that's a bit I, of a I, bit of a tangent there, but I'm so fascinated <laughs> by that one. But yeah. we'll, we'll move on. All right, we're gonna get to Cocaine Bear now. So I feel like we've been waiting for this one for a while. After cocaine is dumped from a smuggling plane into the wilderness, a bear stumbles upon it and inhales the drug, which causes her to go on a murderous rampage on several groups of people. This is directed by Elizabeth Banks, who I think is a great actress, who's a very great comic performer. She previously directed Pitch Perfect 2 
and the Charlie's Angels revival. And this was written by Jimmy Warden, who's the only credit I could find of him, and maybe I'm missing information, was the sequel to the Netflix film The Babysitter. I think Mm. it's called like The Babysitter. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember. The Babysitter sequel. What did you think of Cocaine Bear? You know what? I thought it was fun. I had fun with it. I'm glad. <laughs> it wasn't flawless, but I... <laughs> that's, that's the understatement of the century. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be, like, the best movie ever, but I, I, I feel like it was a movie that knew what it was. It set out to do a thing, and it did it. And I I had fun with it. I, I was chuckling throughout. I thought it was just, like absurd over the top just like bonkers like uh, i i know it was I, it it originally came about as more of a horror comedy like i think that's how they wanted to market it yeah but it's really more of just a comedy with some horrific elements yes that's an important um, distinction much like the menu was marketed as a horror but it's more like a dark comedy with thriller elements and horror elements um yeah it's a good comp but i mean horror seems to sell so i can see why they chose to market it as such uh i i had i just i had a lot of fun with it i thought it was just fun i thought this was okay i thought it was pretty unsuccessful as a movie and as a story it confirmed suspicions that I had before seeing it, which is that they had a concept that was highly marketable, and this movie has done pretty well, so good good on the marketing, but they couldn't carry it out to feature length. Like, not even 90 minutes could they fill this thing all the way through. It strives to be funny. I don't think it's very funny. There were a couple of chuckles. There's a couple of tss moments that's about it i i was just giggling throughout i don't know (laughs) you you were you were it's and i'm happy that you were i wish i was too it's notable that a large portion of the jokes are just about how funny it is that cocaine exists and there's a bear that did it so that's basically one half of the jokes (laughs) the other half of the jokes is that a bear kills people which your mileage may vary greatly on that I think this movie's a big disappointment. It's again, it's I I didn't hate this by any stretch of the imagination. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's a bunch of really good performers who have no material to work with at all. This this script is is not doing it. So I'm glad you brought up the horror comedy point because, like you said, this movie really goes for the comedy. It's the main tone it's going for. I don't know if it should have done that. I think, again, hindsight, seeing what we got, I think this should have been like a true blue genuine animals attack movie, right? In the vein of like Crawl from a few years ago, The Shallows, The Gray, the Liam Neeson movie, right? Lake Placid, whatever you want to say. Beast. 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 Uh, The the idea of Beast. But but with a humorous tone, right? So make it the animal attack movie, but have the humorous tone. And some say that that's what the movie's trying to do. I don't think that's what the movie's trying to do. I think it is trying to be a comedy, and then it throws in a few gruesome scenes, which is good because there's no comedy in the movie. 
I think what makes that so much more apparent, or maybe not, I, I shouldn't just pick out the comedy because there are a couple of chuckles, but like the human story of this is so uninteresting and poorly constructed. I, I thought it was pretty bad. I don't know. Uh, the, but the bear does cocaine. Yes. My <laughs> counter argument is that people say, yes, this is cocaine bear. And I have a two point answer. One is that I wanted this to be crazy. And I don't think it was crazy enough. And two, that's fine. But when you spend $35 million on this, like. But have you considered. Come on. Have you considered the fact that the bear did cocaine? It, yes, exactly. That's funny. They just want me to hypnotize you with the fact that a bear's doing cocaine and there's nothing else going on in the movie at all. There's nothing else. I think this is made even more apparent because this is an ensemble piece, right? This is a, you know, a mosaic. We get several different groups of people and then they kind of converge in different ways in the woods. I thought it made this worse because now there's issues with pacing when you're editing between the different groups of people. It's like the movie's like calling itself out for how undeveloped of a screenplay it is. And so I want to ask you this. Do you think that the movie should have followed the bear instead of following the people? Or would that have removed any suspense? I I didn't have a problem with the the human story, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I have some questions for you later. I mean, it, it was it was pretty surface level stuff. It wasn't the deepest by any means but i it was a, it, it was enough to carry the movie for me anyway I, i'm happy let's let's talk about this cast a little bit uh yogi played the bear it was awesome to see him getting more dramatic roles after having his show for a while i uh, <laughs> heard it was a tough audition process Smokey auditioned didn't get the part but did get that he cardboard got, cutout cameo yeah i was gonna say he got a cameo yeah, so Smokey's been trying for a while to get his big break. I, I hope in the next one he gets it. But, so... <laughs> Alright, the actual bear. Did the quality of the bear distract you at all? Like, the visual quality of the bear? Because this doesn't look like a real bear. I mean, no. But it's on cocaine. So it's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, I, it didn't really bother me either. I, I've seen people complaining about it. And, you know, for all my gripes about some CGI stuff, it didn't really bother me in this, especially because they were definitely going for a more ridiculous thing of like the bear has completely human facial expressions, which is like, I, what, whatever. Um, does not look like a real bear, though. So the real cast, Carrie Russell as the mom... Last saw Carrie Russell in a movie in Antlers, which I had forgotten that she was in that. She does not do a single thing in this movie. I I don't I don't know why she's in this again. It's because she's she's it's because she's hot '80s mom stereotype. She is. She had a great outfit. Yeah. I, she has no lines in the movie at all. <laughs> she's not doing anything. She, hey, she's a nurse. That's her she's role. A nurse. She's a nurse. Yeah, she's a nurse. We have, and, and they need a nurse at some point. All right, so that's one group. Is her as the mother of Brooklyn Prince as Dee Dee. Brooklyn Prince, you may recognize from the Florida Project, in which she's really, really great. I love that movie. 
Uh, her and her friend Christian Covery is Henry. So Dee Dee and Henry are skipping school to go into the woods and get, guess what they run into. So that's one little group. And then we have O'Shea Jackson Jr. as David. Now, O'Shea Jackson Jr., he was on a great run there for a while. He's He's been in a couple of shows lately, so he's, he's still doing very well. Haven't seen him in a movie for a few years. He had a really good run straight out of Compton, Ingrid Goes West, Den of Thieves, all that kind of stuff. It was nice to see him on the big screen again. I wish it had been in something else, but he's here. He's playing a, he's playing a dealer who works for Ray Liotta. So Alden Ehrenreich is his friend. He's Eddie. Again, Alden Ehrenreich, a very good performer who after, do you remember all the solo drama? Yeah. yeah. I uh, I want him back as solo, I'll be honest. I like I, I thought he did just fine in in that. Yeah, he didn't I deserve any uh, nearly as much of the drama as he got for that. No, and I think that whole production was just kind of doomed and anybody who stuck their hand into that blender was was gonna get hurt unfortunately but again haven't seen him for a little bit but he's making a comeback he has this movie this year he has this movie fair play which is a really big player out of sundance and i believe he's in oppenheimer so i'm rooting for him big time uh he's fine in the movie he's just like sad the whole time his wife is dead. I don't know why his wife had to be dead. It added zero it's, to the movie. It's so he, that he can have uh, a tattoo in memory. Right. Her, when it, it says John Her name is Joan, Joan, but it says John, which I like. I mean, give it the Mark Twain prize for comedy. Come on. It won. No. So they're <laughs> friends. I mean, they're okay. They have a nice dynamic together. But again, they just, they have no lines to say. There's no, there's nothing to say in the movie. All right, so we have them. Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who is a phenomenal actor, is playing Bob. Bob's a cop, and he has to go into the woods because he's, he's investigating the dead pilot right yeah or the dead the dead drug smuggler yeah so bob's personality trait is that he has a dog which <laughs> I, was I, that that just killed me honestly i thought that was not even not even trying to overcompensate i just thought the the, the line with the like when he first shows up with the dog <laughs> what line when when he shows up well, before they even show the dog, he's talking to his partner about, oh, you, you used to have a dog? Did it play fetch and stuff? <laughs> I just thought that whole storyline was the most useless thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> ever. There's just like, there's a random insert at one moment where it's just him sitting in a blank office where no one else is with the dog smiling. And I'm like, like what? What is going on? Why are they filling because, the screen with this? It's be- it's because his do- he doesn't think his dog is cool at first, but then he realizes that the dog is cool. Yeah, he's like, this dog's too fancy. And then <laughs> we'll talk about the dog once we get into spoilers. So <laughs> I liked him into Five Bloods, though. That's the last I thing love I Isaiah Whitlock Jr. in everything. I love him in everything. And frankly, I think he is one of the two strongest parts of the movie. I think the other strongest part is Margot Martindale as Ranger Liz. I, I think him him and her were the best of the movie. She has a crush 
on uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, I think, right, is playing... Yeah, the, the, the forest inspector guy. The forest inspector guy. I mean, again, a funny dynamic where there's no written material to support it just whatsoever. <laughs> and then R- Ray Liotta as Sid. Ray Liotta, I mean, we talked about it right after he passed. Absolute powerhouse on the screen. A performer who, and it's notable for this, was not only in great projects over his career, but I think elevated projects that weren't fantastic in their own right. Like he's just, he's always a presence. You know, recently he was one of my favorite things in The Many Saints of Newark. He's probably my favorite thing in that movie. I like him in this. You know, it's very similar. He's good when the script is bad, especially with his character, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But first I want to ask you, and I, I'm very fascinated in the, the answer to this question. Are drugs funny? <laughs> is the existence you know, of drugs funny? I, I think you know my answer to that. I understand what you're trying to ask. And I feel like that's that's a deeper question than this movie really seeks to answer. Just in general, do you think that it's funny that drugs exist and people do them? I guess it depends on the context. Okay, that's fair. And that's a good point, because I, 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 I just, mean, I really can't I mean, get into do it. I, do I think it's funny if, would I think it's funny if I saw some person, like, overdosing on the street? No, of course not. That's not funny. But Certainly, if yes. If a fake CGI bear is doing cocaine and killing people because it's all crazy on cocaine, yeah, that's freaking, that's funny, I think. I just really cannot get it's, into it. It's because I, I, if it's so over the top and absurd that it that it's not realistic and it's sort of a caricature, like a cartoony thing, like I, yeah. I if you... If you're if it's enough where you can reasonably detach it from reality and just take it for what it is then yeah sure. I just, you know drugs are a part of life so it's fair game for comedy. But I just whenever the joke is just that somebody is doing drugs and then they act silly or something silly happens because they're doing drugs I don't, it just it always feels like a crutch to me. Well, what's, and I'm the, like, uh, what's the difference between that and like someone getting drunk on screen and just like tripping no, over drunk, themselves? Like, drunk, I feel the same exact way. It's I I never find that funny either. It, uh, also, because like people always like overact drunk too, <laughs> and it's like no drunk person actually acts like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a bigger conversation, but. Are drugs funny? Is there like a forbidden aspect of it because they've been so like fought against? Is it because it's titillating? I I just really don't know. I mean, frankly, I think drugs, when used responsibly, it it should be a non-issue. You know, it's but like you're not if you are again if you're making light of someone that has an actual problem with drugs, that's that's a different story and that's not funny. Right. Yeah, and I don't mean to make a position for or against drugs with my commentary on comedy of drugs but i for instance do you remember in 20 i don't know if it was 21 or 22 jump street where there's the drug trip where channing tatum's goes very well and then jonah hills is like really bad he's on a bad trip yeah is that funny Uh, obviously humor is subjective but yeah to you i i mean to be frank i haven't really thought twice about that scene until just now yeah so i I don't know 
Just something I think about. I mean, you know what I did find funny in that scene is that they're playing, I think they're playing Creed during Jonah Hill's bad trip, and that made me laugh a lot, so. Well, there's the problem. That's what's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creed humor trumps Creed, Creed. drug humor every time. <laughs> yeah, is Creed funny? That's the real question. Nah, leave, leave Creed alone. That's my take. <laughs> leave, leave Creed alone. <laughs> All right, I want to talk for a second about the real story of of this cocaine bear because it's like the movie. It seems funny at first, and then you go, "Hmm, interesting." So, what really happened was that a former narcotics officer and drug smuggler dropped cocaine from a play, which we see in the very beginning of this movie, which I thought was one of the the better scenes of the movie. He jumped with a faulty parachute. He died. And then the bear found the cocaine in the forest and was found three months later dead with like dozens of open containers around it. So this thing was not violent. It just found cocaine, got into it, and then died. And what's, what just seems even worse is that the bear's body was taxidermied and so its its stuffed corpse is on display in a Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky mall currently to this day. I mean, bummer. Exactly. It's like you know, I, it's... I, you know I, I after watching EO, I, I do feel more conflicted about about uh, looking at this so lightly. But uh... I, yeah, I mean, if you want to do it in a movie, that's fine. It's just like 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 the real story. The movie seemed funny at first, and then I was just like, oh man, this is just kind of a letdown. This is just kind of a bummer. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have even really... (laughs) Yeah, the the fact that this was based on that story and that series of events does kind of take it out of me a little bit. I would have liked if I just didn't know that it was a real thing, and this was just like this absurd premise that people are having fun with. But, uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you this before we go to spoilers. What would you like the next entry in the series to be? I think we talked about it before um, off off air. How about Cocaine Shark? I think that was discussed, and I think Elizabeth Banks is down to do it. In Massachusetts' own Elizabeth Banks, you know she's got a film on location in Cape Cod with the real great whites. She could. She could do that. are in Cape Cod. Yeah, she'll just... <laughs> She Cause... won't even need a, a fake shark. She'll just <laughs> no. pour some coke in the water. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, climate change. I'm going to throw some ideas at you. Cocaine sloth. Those things are very slow, but they've got claws. Imagine what they could do if they moved fast. Snakes on cocaine. That would be the mm. sequel to Snakes on a Plane. It rhymes. It's perfect. Cocaine Gritty. The mascot for the Philadelphia <laughs> that, Flyers. That's where you were going with that. <laughs> that would be just a straight-up horror movie. That would not even be comedy. Uh, crocodiles, a, a crocodile on cocaine. That okay. would honestly frighten me. That would be terrible. Cocaine bald eagle. So the bald eagle is feeling bored one day. It's feeling like it's a lost symbol, and so it snorts some coke. And then it flies all over the motherland shouting, make America great again until it's removed from the U.S. corridor. You like that one? I, I like that one a lot. That one sounds great. And then finally, Cocaine Pet Rock, where a pet rock 
gets into some coke, and then it starts bragging to everybody about its spot on everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> um, why don't we just do Zootopia on cocaine? Zootopia on cocaine. I mean, they already had, like, the nudist resort, right? So Yeah, true. Also, that could be part of cocaine sloth. That DMV could really get running. That's what I'm saying. That's what gave me the idea. All right, there we go. Cocaine sloth slash, slash coketopia. All right, spoilers for Cocaine Bear. There's no real spoilers for this. There's barely any story to this movie. No, you don't understand. The bear is on cocaine. The bear is on Spoiler cocaine. Spoiler alert. The bear is on cocaine. Yes, it is. I will give you some highlights to the movie. Here are some things that I thought were pretty good. The ambulance scene with the EMTs. Thought it was a decent action scene. Yeah, I liked I it. It was exciting. It felt kind of removed from the rest of the movie. This is the part, again, where it's like, this was what seemed like to be the juice of the movie. It's like a bear attacking people, not like these half-hearted jokes in between. So should have gone with more of this stuff, I think. Uh, when Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is on top of the gazebo and he's like, I'm going to come down now. And he's like, oh, 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 I can't get down. That was pretty funny. Uh, the tree scene. Thought the tree scene was was decently funny. Well, not I'm sorry, not funny. I meant decently exciting to look at. So when Jesse Tyler, funny. when he's like <laughs> hanging upside down, bleeding from the tree, is that funny? No, it's a horror comedy. You got to have horror elements in it. I know There's horrific it's just things like, happening. That's <laughs> is that comedy. Is the hor- horrific stuff funny? No the, no, the comedy is when he said, bears can't climb trees. Yes, they can. Sure, sure. That's a joke. And, like, <laughs> I get that. But, like, and I even get, like, the certain, you know, the ridiculous violence. But when he's literally just hanging from a tree and we're getting, like, blood squirting down onto his face, I'm like, I like, is this funny? I don't, I really I don't think can't they, tell. I, I don't think they were trying to be funny in that particular moment. It was it was just so mixed that I could not tell. The tone of this movie like just baffled me throughout. So in the very beginning, Christopher Hivu and Hannah Hoekstra are hikers. They're just like la 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 through the woods. She gets mauled. And so that's I get that they need that for like the cold open of the movie. But then he, I forgot that he existed for about 80 minutes. And then he comes back. The only reason he comes back is to lead. All right. So I just... Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm getting confused explaining this movie. <laughs> All you need to know is the bear does cocaine. Just no, don't, it's don't no lose track of that. I, I need to talk about this. So the let's talk about the mom and the kids for a second. So the mom has a, a new boyfriend. She's single, but she's dating somebody, and she wants to take her daughter, Dee Dee, to this guy's place so that they can have a good weekend or something. And Dee Dee's like, no, I don't like that. And they talk about that for three seconds. That's the humanity they get. And then at the very end of the movie, after, after a movie that has nothing to do with a new boyfriend or mother-daughter dynamics at all. The mom's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to push my new boyfriend on you. And the daughter's like, it 
it's okay. I want to meet him. And it's like, like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> so back to my original point, the hiker guy, after his girlfriend is eaten by the bear, he's gone for 80 minutes. And then he comes back just to lead the mom to the missing girl in the bear's cave. But the girl had left... They made a point of showing that the girl had left clues when she was taken by the bear. So why do we need the guy? Well, they lost track of the clues, didn't they? Well, then why does there need to be clues? Either have clues or don't. They had the clues, but then the trail ran out, and that's when they found the guy. Oh, okay. I, I, I feel like he just exists for the cold open, which is fine. Is fine. I get it. But then he dipped again because he. I don't know if he actually got attacked the second time. I think he did. I'm going to be honest. I, I really don't know. Like him a little as a performer, though. The, like, this teenage gang of troublemakers. That, I thought that was funny, especially because they all looked, like, way too old to be. <laughs> they were way too old. They were not teenagers. They were, like, early to mid-20s guys. And... <laughs> It was, I don't, it, they thought it was like a missed opportunity. Like they could have pulled some funny shenanigans, but they, I don't even know what their goal is as a, as a gang. They just, they're like robbing O'Shea Jackson Jr. in the bathroom. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that was. Ranger Liz, we said, has a crush on Jesse Tyler Ferguson. That was funny. The cop and the dog was completely unnecessary. So uh, another thing that had no payoff was that, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. as the cop, he likes this woman cop played by Ayula Smart. And he, like, asks her to watch the dog and everything. And then when he's in trouble after being shot by Sid, she shows up and... (gasps) She's working for Sid. And that adds nothing to the movie. (laughs) There's no point to it at all. But did but did we mention that the bear does cocaine yet? Exactly, exactly. And then when Sid is like going to shoot her later on, O'Shea Jackson Jr. just like steps in front of him and he's like, "All right, I won't shoot her." And she exits the movie and like doesn't she come back again to like give Eddie the dog? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What, what is listen, going on? Listen, you forgot the part where O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character gets two fingers shot off, but it's the middle and the pinky finger. And the whole line about, how did they even get those two fingers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, but... I, it really yeah. is. I need... I have uh, to ask you about... <laughs> I can't so, stop laughing. <laughs> you're you're going to continue, because Dee Dee and Henry run are like the first ones kind of of the main cast to run into the bear, I think. And we learn when we see Henry again that, correct me if I'm wrong, the bear took Dee Dee to the cave? Uh, that's, I think that was the implication. <laughs> Is this King Kong? Like, how did the bear carry a human girl to the cave? No, it was more like without a paddle. She was in the fetal position, like Seth Green, and without a paddle. And the bear just absorbed her and took her to the cave? She, like, carried her back or something. I don't know. But why does the bear want... The the bear is just killing everybody. Why is the bear like, I need this one? 
so it, so we can introduce the little cocaine cubs. But wouldn't the mama bear want to keep all other beings away from the baby cubs? She, she thinks she's another cocaine cub. Yeah, I guess for, so. For the sequel, Cocaine Bears, that's coming soon. This is probably my biggest issue with the movie, and I'm sorry to be complaining so much, but this one really baffled me. So let's let's talk about the little the drug dealing triangle we have here. So we have David and Eddie, the young guys, and they work for Sid, who is Eddie's father, and Sid is also watching Eddie's son because Eddie's wife died, which again is is completely unnecessary. The only purpose is to make Eddie sad, which leads to no comedy or emotion. So Sid has drug manufacturers who he works for. The cocaine that was dropped into the woods was that which he was supposed to deliver. So when it goes missing, he tells Eddie, his son, hey, if we don't find it, there are incredibly dangerous people who are going to come find me and they're going to find you and then they're going to kill your son who's a young boy. All right, which like, even if it doesn't get us on Sid's side, you're kind of like, oh, I hope he finds the cocaine even if just for the little boy's sake, right? But then Sid becomes the villain because he wants to take back the cocaine from the bear. I, I didn't I didn't get that whatsoever. I, like, I didn't really get that interpretation personally. What did you make of it? I just thought they were trying to get it. I, I wouldn't say it really state. I don't think it really necessarily made him a villain because he's trying to get the coke back from the bear. I think it just made him a villain because he was willing to. Because they uh, Eddie and David were ready to be out. But he's like, nah, 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 you can't be out. Right, because I understood the stakes to be, hey, if I don't get the cocaine, a young boy's going to be murdered. That was like the ultimate stake for me, and then that's just completely forgotten about. Like, that doesn't matter after a certain point. Also, they do, I like, he is like the final kill, and you're supposed to like feel like, yeah, they got him in the end, because let's break it down. The mom and the kids are already in the cave, right? Because they went to go rescue Dee Dee. They find cubs who are covered in cocaine. Sid, David, and Eddie, we went through that, like where Sid is going to shoot the double agent, and then he doesn't. It's the most useless interaction. And then the kids and the mom are like mad at at Sid. They're like, you're a bad father, (laughs) after they met him in two seconds. Well, that's all you need. And then, like... They were watching... See, what you don't realize is while the movie cut to other characters, the characters that we left from are watching the same movie that we're watching. They're watching the events unfold as they happen. You you cracked it open. See, I didn't realize that. I'm glad you brought it to my attention because now everything makes sense. Listen, it it, it may not... It it, it sounds crazy, but have have you considered... Have you forgotten that the bear did cocaine (laughs) well no so here's the thing is that carrie russell (laughs) she gets a gun because sid is like here david catch catch this this rifle (laughs) and he he misthrows it (laughs) 
even though David is three feet from him, like he could have reached over and handed it to him. Listen, there was a waterfall in the background. Yeah, there were very loud and distracting. There were two bear cubs who were just like pawing innocently at him. Like, if you really want to make him a villain, he could have been a little more violent with those cubs. All right, but so she gets the gun, she points it at him, which again is supposed to be like. An empowering moment, which would imply that Sid is now, like, the antagonist. Yeah, I guess. But, like, the bear has been the antagonist. Or, you know, even if it's not the bear's fault, the bear is still kind of, like, the main obstacle of of the movie. So everyone, like, again, like you said, there's a waterfall. Everybody jumps but Sid because he has to get the cocaine because, remember, his, his grandson's life is in danger. I'm not saying he isn't selfish also, but his grandson's life is in danger. And he just gets eviscerated by the bear, right? Again, the bear comes back. He, like, knocks the bear off. Oh, yeah. And then because some cocaine is released, (laughs) the bear is empowered yet again. And again, it's supposed to be like a triumphant moment. You're supposed to be like... Yeah, the bear's at it again. <laughs> and then he they eviscerate Sid. That's kind of like the final boss, the final villain kill. So like now the bear is the hero. And I, I see I see your your gripe there. I do I do see what you're saying there. But the bear does cocaine. Yes, exactly. That's that's just the rebuttal for every every flaw in writing every nonsensical action it's just that just forget about that stuff the bear did cocaine the problem is is that after sid is defeated they have to have complete nonsense emotional quote-unquote payoff right eddie and david i think david is like injured and eddie's like you're not just a drug dealer you're my best friends well that was set up earlier in the movie i'll give them that Sure. I, if I cared about these characters at all. And then they're playing 20 questions and he's like, I know the answer to the 20 questions was your dead wife. <laughs> okay. All right. We get it. He's sad about his wife. His wife that we never even get a picture of. We six don't more, even see her. Six more days of John. Don't forget. Yeah, Cause John. Because it's, cause it's uh, he's going back to get it covered up in a week. Eddie gets so he he gets the cop's dog I don't know what this is supposed the dog just walks to him the dog's just like I have a new owner now and he's just like alright it's a dog for my son by the way my son who's gonna be dead in a week because I, I guess the drug whoever is above Sid in the drug syndicate is just, they just disappear they no longer care about the cocaine because Sid is dead I'm sure they're not going to be worried about that at all. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Look, you know, I had I still had a lot of fun with this movie as as you y'all can hear I've been cracking up throughout. It's it's so absurd. It's 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 so dumb, but it's so fun. I I I had a lot of fun with it. I wish I had more fun. I could have forgiven all of that stuff maybe not the sid the the weird dynamic with him of he's like he's trying to save his grandson but then he's the villain 
I could have forgiven it if it was more fun. I just did not think it was that fun. Again, not it's not the hey, worst movie I've ever seen. It's not I, the worst movie we've seen this month. No, it is not. Did you enjoy this more than Ant-Man? Yes. 100% oh, wow. more. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it 100% more <laughs> as well. I, I didn't even like and it. I, and I was, I was swinging hard to defend Ant-Man, but... <laughs> you were. All right, well, I'm glad you got this. And what a... Well, we got Creed 3 coming out, Scream 6 coming out soon, so good stuff. All right, any final thoughts on Cocaine Bear? I only wish that they had released it in real D3D. That actually might have worked with the bear, like, blowing out snot everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. All right, well, if you, the listener, have any thoughts, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at screensaverspod, and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. All right, well, that's all for us. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sutkus, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.